0: We're now well into July here on NFL Live, and we still don't have the answer to a very simple question when it comes to some of the game's biggest stars. What's next? We'll dive into that and so much more as we say hello. Welcome into NFL Live, Field Yates. Andrew Hawkins back for more in studio. Longtime NFL wide receiver, the king of Ohio wide receivers. We've got the Cup, Edwards, and Jeff Darlington as well. We're going to begin with Dalvin Cook, who was released by Minnesota after the team was unable to find a trade partner for the four-time Pro Bowl running back. He's been one of the most high-volume backs in the NFL over the past few seasons, as since 2019, only Derrick Henry has had more touches and scrimmage yards than Dalvin Cook. He will also become the fifth player ever to join a new team after having 1,000 rushing yards in each of the prior four seasons. Let's begin with Jeff Darrington. And Jeff, what do we know about where Cook and his potential suitors stand as of this moment?
1: Well, look, Field, we have nothing urgent right now in terms of Cook's decision because ultimately he still wants to get a little bit closer to training camp to really nail this down. The one thing I would point out is that the Miami Dolphins remain interested. They still have an offer on the table. One, though, that Cook is not willing to accept. I can see him certainly trying to drum up other leverage. He is still interested in joining the Dolphins. But at this point, again, not willing to commit to the deal that they have on the table. The one thing that interests me here, Field, in terms of a timeline is July 17th. That's the deadline for players like Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs to get their deals done. It has nothing to do with Dalvin Cook, but if Barkley and Jacobs perhaps could reset the market with a deal of their own, perhaps it would give the Dolphins and Dalvin Cook or another team some idea of what his pay should be. So just one little threshold that maybe we should keep an eye on. If that doesn't happen, Cook and the Dolphins would have to work out something on their own.
0: Finally, now just 10 days away from that deadline that Jeff alluded to. Bahawk, as you look at potential suitors for Dalvin Cook, whether it's Miami or somebody else, is there a team that stands out? You know what, when you're this good uh, like Dalvin
2: Cook is – Every team is a fit. But the team that stands out, the place he should go, the best fit for him and where he's at in his career is the Miami Dolphins. He is a fantastic runner in this zone offense. And Mike McDaniel, everywhere that he's been when he was a run game coordinator and offensive coordinator and now the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, they run this concept very, very well. And then with the the talent they have on the outside, it just becomes a very well-rounded attack that actually opened things up for Cook. I think about when Kyle Shanahan went to the Atlanta Falcons and you've seen what the development of Matt Ryan looked like and how great of a season he had. In this offense, specifically with McDaniel, decent running backs look good, good running backs look great, Mm. and great running backs look generational.
3: Well, I agree. I I think the Miami Dolphins is is a really good fit. He'd be a complimentary uh, football player for him. Fifteen snaps a game. Uh, the way Mike McDaniels calls his offense, they always need running backs in this sense that can catch the ball coming out of the backfield. And, and on third down, uh, this team needs to improve on third down. They were 24th in the National Football League in third down situations. So he's a situational player for him. He's playing on the grass. He's playing in good weather. He has an office
0: with complementary players around him. So this would be a good fit. And, of course, he is from the South Florida area. Nothing like playing in front of the home crowd. From Dalvin Cook, we now check in on DeAndre Hopkins' situation as it's been over 40 days. How about that since he was released by the Cardinals? You know who's not done, at least in his own mind? D-Hop, as he took two threads. All the kids are doing it yesterday. And he wrote this, quote, I'll retire from football when I'm not a 1,000-yard receiver. That said, I was on track for 1,400 yards last year. I've only had one major injury in 11 years. I could be playing until I'm 37 the way I feel. Uh, Jeff, right back to you. What do you know about D-Hop at his free agency right
4: now?
1: Well, not dissimilar to Dalvin Cookfield. DeAndre andre Hopkins, excuse me, has offers on the table. He could go to the Patriots or the Titans if he so chose, but ultimately he also wanted to take his time, see what happens with the market. The one question I have here is perhaps could another team get in there, sneak in and say, hey, we'll give you the money you want and we have the team you want. The one team that comes to mind is the Kansas City Chiefs. They couldn't do it now, but if they were to do a contract extension with Chris Jones, something that they'll probably do before training camp, it would free up about $10 million in cap space that could be devoted toward DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not saying here that they will do it, but if I'm looking for one team to perhaps sneak in there that's not in there now, that would be
0: the reason it would happen, and that would be the team I could see it happening with. If that happens, we just give the Chiefs to Lombardi right now. Uh, More seriously, Herm, where do you think Hopkins should play next year? We've been talking about this for the last two months, and and Jeff
3: just mentioned it. I I think the New England Patriots, uh, if he wants to be the number one receiver, uh, he would be the number one guy there. He goes somewhere else, he's probably going to be number two. So what does that mean to him? He just talked about playing until he's 37. Well, before you play until you're 37, how about this year? Go to a place, obviously, that you'd be the number one guy. And here's the critical part. He has a coach that actually drafted him and Bill O'Brien. They Mm. say they've squashed what happened in the past, which is good. But this would be a perfect spot for him, in my opinion. If Randy Moss can go up there and be successful,
0: why couldn't he? Yeah, well, plenty of cap space up there in New England if the team does try to pursue him more than they already have. Let's wrap up with Saquon Barkley, who is not a free agent, but he has a decision to make 10 days from right now as to whether or not he will sign that franchise tag tender. Jeff already mentioned it. Or the possibility of a long-term extension here for Saquon Barkley. Jeff, where do things stand right now between the Giants and Saquon?
1: Well, Field, unlike those first two guys we talked about, time is not necessarily on Saquon's side because he has 10 days to decide whether to take the Giants' offer. Now, the question becomes, in those 10 days, will the Giants increase their offer? Saquon Barkley has said he knows he's got a tough decision to make at that July 17th deadline. He says he'll talk to his family, decide whether they want to take that deal or, in fact, play on the franchise tag. There is that third option, of course, which would be not sign the franchise tag not sign a long-term deal, and enter into training camp with the potential for a holdout, we would see how long that could go. That is a very sticky, dangerous territory. We know how that worked out for Le'Veon Bell. Not great. And ultimately, with Saquon Barkley, I don't necessarily see him doing the same. The question is, July 17th, what does he do? Does he hold out or does he sign the new deal?
0: Barkley, one of three running backs that was signed or was given that franchise tag this offseason. Also, Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard. All right, Hawk, do you think that the Barkley and Giants marriage needs to get done here in the next 10 days? Would you take a deal if you were Saquon Barkley? I think it does need to get done. I think it does get done, and I'm hopeful that it gets done. Listen, yeah. a
2: happy running back is a better running back, and we've seen the impact that a healthy Saquon Barkley has had on this New York Giants football team. But the reality is, The Giants do have all the leverage here, right? Just given the injury history of Saquon Barkley, is he going to want to risk playing another season to potentially ruin the future money that he's got coming in? On top of that, to to Jeff's point, we've seen what happened with Le'Veon Bell and what happens when you sit out. It's unfortunate that the running back market is what it is, but the reality in the business of football is it is what it
0: is. I was going to say, like, it's such a slippery slope for any running back right now because we have seen that window for them to get paid very, very finite. It might make most sense for them to take it while it's available. We are just getting started here on NFL Live. Plenty of elite wide receiver duos in the league, but we have Hawk here, who's going to break down his top five. Plus, outgoing NFL PA Executive Director DeMaurie Smith has proposed a replacement for the Rooney Rule. Herm gives him his insight on what has gone wrong with the rule and what needs to be done to improve it. What a lineup we have for you starting tonight on ESPN with the NBA Summer League debut of number one pick Victor Wembanyama for the Spurs against number two pick Brandon Miller in the Hornets. Saturday night, it's the UFC 290 main card beginning at 10 Eastern on Pay-Per-View. Monday night brings you the Home Run Derby from Seattle on ESPN and ESPN2. And Wednesday night, the 31st SBs are on ABC. Outgoing NFLPA Executive Director Demory Smith, in an article he co-authored with a Yale Law School student, is calling for the NFL to illuminate the quote, failed Rooney rule and replace it with a series of recommendations on hiring diverse candidates. The article, set to run in the Yale Law and Policy Review, also included an NFLPA survey of nearly 50 former and current coaches. Of color which indicated that 90% of them believe that race plays a role in NFL hiring decisions and a similar number believe that the NFL and its owners do not adhere to federal statutes against discrimination amongst the recommendations Smith calls for are the following replace the current hiring system with one that fairly evaluates talent and eliminates check-the-box protocols create an outside Uh, monitor to audit team hiring practices and publish annual report on successes slash failures of team hiring, retention, and promotion. Significant punishment for team and league officials that don't abide by the recommendations, and the job should be posted and held open for at least 30 days. No head coaching slash coordinator jobs filled until a certain number of days after the Super Bowl. Finally, the NFL should drop opposition to NFL coaches unionizing and allow collective bargaining. Uh, coach Turner, this is obviously a topic that is near and dear to you. What do you make of the Rooney Rule and Smith calling for an overhaul of it?
3: Well, the intentions of the Rooney Rule, when they first came about, I thought were, were critical, and, and it helped a lot of coaches. There's no doubt about that. F- particular, probably myself, right? Uh, it, it eliminated the owners to rush to hire a head coach in other words, they had to make sure when a vacancy came open, they would, hire a mon- they would interview a minority coach. So that slowed it down. Mm. Now, with that being said, it was fine in the beginning, but after a while, like anything else, there's always loopholes, right? <clears throat> and owners found a way to get through the loophole. In other words, we'll, we'll check the box, but we already got the guy hired. Look, in the National Football League, I spent 35 years in there. You know when jobs come available, within a week or two, you already know the head coach is going to get hired there. And he's might, he might not have not even been interviewed at that point in time because we all talk. Coaches know this is the NFL. Uh, you know, We talk about trying to bring more structure to the owners. Let me ask you a question. There's 32 owners in the National Football League. It's a, s- a select group of men. You think that they're going to let somebody tell them how to run their business? That's not happening. Mm-mm. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's not, It sounds good on paper. It all looks good on paper.
2: It all Remember, looks good on paper.
3: It all looks good on paper. The game, yeah, the game of football is real simple. The game of football, right? Let guys compete. Put the players on the field, let them compete. It should be the same way in the coaching profession. Let the coaches compete.
2: Pick the best coaches. I think you're spot on. And unfortunately, NFL coaching ability outside of those who are head coaches is probably the most subjective part of the NFL game. There's no statistics. You can't really tell. And also, to your point, Herm, how coordinators and position coaches are hired are based on, you know, proximity to the people that are in power, right? So if you're a head coach, you're going to get the coordinator you've probably worked with, you've probably hung out with, maybe you went to college with, maybe you guys were former teammates because they're comfortable, they have trust. On the player side, that's never how it works. You don't draft a quarterback and then also draft his receiver, also draft his running back because they have chemistry because they're familiar with one another. No, the best come in, they compete, and they have to gel together. And until NFL coaching gets to that point where maybe general managers are hiring the head coach, the coordinators, the the defensive coordinators, the position coaches based off fully merit, and then having them gel together, it's going to be a tough thing to solve because of how subjective the the profession is.
3: A lot of great points. And know this is what – there's 13 teams that have not hired a black head coach yet. Mm Thirteen. I'll give you this number, a better number than that. In 1977, when I entered the National Football League as a rookie, there were only seven black coaches in the whole league.
0: Seven. That incl-
5: that's, that's like seven, <laughs> now, by the way. It's gotten that's better. That's position
0: coaches. That's not, that's not head coaches, coach. That's position coaches. Oh, no, there was no head everybody. coaches. Yeah.
3: There was no head coaches. There mm-hmm. was no coordinators. Mm-hmm. They were just assistant coaches. Sure.
0: So uh, the league has come a long way. But there's there's still a ways to go. Let me ask you this, Herm. Are there specific measures that you think the league should take going forward to try to increase the number of minority coaches in positions of significant prominence? Well, look,
3: right now it's a league that hires offensive coordinators Mm. and offensive coaches. There are eight black coaches in positions of that. Three quarterback coaches, right, And, and, and I think five coordinators on offense. All the rest of the coaches are on defense. So now if he's come with the offensive league. It's real simple, look. And, and you mentioned it earlier. The people in the room making a decision, that's how you get your information. What do the people in the room look like? Do they all look alike? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to have diversity in the room that makes decisions as well. That always helps you. Now, and he talked
2: about it. When he came into the league, there were seven coaches league-wide in total it has gotten better staff by the way I mean it has gotten better we're not we're not at those times anymore it's just been a slow process unfortunately and there are organizations that do do this well I have to give a shout out to the Cleveland Browns because they actually in Jimmy Haslam's tenure have hired head coaches as uh, black head coaches black general managers at a multiple clip and so the problem is to your point Herm But there's so many organizations who have yet to actually implement those processes and take them seriously, and you know it's going to take probably a a
0: longer time than we appreciate. You know what kind of amazes me about all this, and maybe I shouldn't be amazed, is that one of the coaches that has universal respect in the league from owners, fellow coaches, players, fans, those of us who are talking about it on television, is Mike Tomlin, who, by the way, was not just going to be a shoe in to get the Pittsburgh Steelers job. As a matter of fact, in some way, it's like that interview process was exactly why he got the job. And as coach has been referencing so many times, the interview process is just a formality. It's just a vehicle to get the coach from wherever he's coaching to the new head coaching job, Herm. If these pro- if owners just – why would they not want to try to find their own Mike Tomlin, which was only discovered because of a thorough interview process? But look at
3: the organization you're talking about. The yes. Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm. Mm. I, I only can remember three coaches there. Yeah, literally, In yes, <laughs> the history definitely. that I follow the Pittsburgh Steelers. That, that, right? Because that's, yeah. that's what they do. Yeah. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers. That, yeah. That's who they are. Yeah. They so get it. They, they are the Steelers. It. They yeah. get it. Trust me. But there are so many <laughs> examples of
0: just hiring a familiar coach in which it's failed in sometimes spectacular fashion that I'm just surprised that owners don't take just a bit more time to maybe open their eyes to success stories around the league and find out what led to that success, Herm.
3: Coaches fall in love, owners fall in love with systems. They fall in love with names they hear that the media spins. And they think that's the hot guy. I mean, I want the system. Well, that no system ain't going with that coach because he don't have them players.
0: There's, there's no two ways about <laughs> right? it. There I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. No a lot, lot that goes into it. it. Uh, we'll end it here, Hawk. I'll just be curious. Like, a uh, f- player perspective, like, how mm-hmm. mindful do you think players around the league are about the relatively small number of black coaches, whether it's at, at head coach level, coordinator level, quarterback coach level, anybody who's in a real position of power?
2: Yeah, I mean, they're definitely mindful of it. Now, will I say that, you know, they think about it 24-7? No, they're all playing football. They're trying to quest for first downs, catches, and touchdowns. But at the same time, they probably can all tell you about their own experiences, you know, in those locker rooms and obviously with staff that do have black head coaches, white head coaches and come from all walks of life. I will also say that the quarterback position now becoming more diverse because at a time that that was not a position either. So down the line, as some of the quarterbacks that now you can look around the league and there's black quarterbacks all over the place. I think there's going to be a trickle down there as well where you'll start to see more black coaches because after they've got done playing, now they are the offensive gurus that everybody, you know, requests.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a topic that certainly we've been discussing a lot over the past handful of years. As you saw on that graphic, there have been ways in which you might suggest there's been some progress and then there have been perhaps some steps backwards. Safe to say this is very much a work in progress. Plenty more coming your way here on NFL Live as we have our receiver, Hawk, in studio. He's going to give us his top five wide-out duos you don't want to miss, which Robin, he thinks, can become the next Batman. That's next.
5: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple.
4: Any chance you got him out
0: there, you know, he's going to find a way to be open and he's going to catch the ball. He's going to come down with it.
3: about Adam.
0: F it. Marv's down there somewhere.
3: all yeah. A.J. Sproul-
0: Let's talk wide receivers with a guy who knows the position very well. That, of course, being Andrew Hawkins, played for both the Bengals and the Browns, and we also remind you, for Patriots for an offseason as hey, well. Legend. Never drop the pass with the Patriots. People Never. Forget that. That's, people need to talk about you that more. Need, Phil. We'll talk about it plenty here on NFL Live. Let's go through your top Five wide receiver duos in the NFL as things currently stand. When I think about duos,
2: I want a pairs of guys that can do it all. Okay. They have done it for a long time. Yep. That's me and you, field, Six years cool. and running. Let's start with number five. Good number reason. five, we got a new duo coming here. Ooh. My man Lamb Chops and the Cookie Monster, C.D. Lamb <laughs> and Brandon Cook. Now, Brandon Cook is a guy that I feel like we should be talking about more. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about that actually later in this, this, this episode because he is so consistent. We know what C.D. Lamb can do and now that he'll have balance on the other side. I think we're going to see a phenomenal year from Dak Prescott number four. We're going DK and Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett also a very underrated receiver. These two guys couldn't be more opposite, but they are perfect together. Tyler Lockett is actually the consistent one throughout the whole process with the Seahawks. And what DK Metcalf brings to the table, he's a freak of nature. He's big, he's strong, he's fast. He can catch a BB in the dark. Number three, we're going (laughs) with AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. Again, two guys that are very opposite. They are not built the same, but they are spectacular. Now you're at the part of the countdown where you're looking at guys that are both number one receivers on the same team right you seen what Jalen Hurts was able to do last season a huge part of that was because he had those two guys on each side another duo that are both number one receivers T Higgins Jamar Chase Jamar is down there somewhere you'll notice that with these duos the quarterbacks are the ones we always talk about because the weapons are so ridiculous right we'll get these deals done we'll keep these guys intact now we're going to number one this shouldn't be a surprise for a couple of reasons. I'm Andrew Hawkins, I am quick, I am speed, I used to be fast, I'm not anymore. Still fast in my book. I look up to these guys. I hold no candle to uh, Ty, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. The speed, quickness, inside, outside, home run balls, deep balls. Here's the special part about these two. Okay. Right, You think about Tyreek Hill, and a lot of people yep. view him as a number one guy, Jalen Waddle as a number two. Yep. The more I watch them and the way that Jalen Waddle approaches the game and his versatility, I think it's only a matter of time before it actually swaps. And Jalen Waddle Ooh. becomes Batman,
0: and Tyreek Hill Robin becomes Robin. Robin. How about that? And they're paying Tyreek a lot of money to be Robin, but maybe Jalen Waddle will get that bag as well. Herman, what are your thoughts on Hawks' list right here, the top five duos in the wide receiver?
3: I, he's got a great list, and um, I, I would agree with, uh, with the Dolphins. And it's kind of ironic, because when I look at the past, uh, in my era when I played, they had a quarterback by the name of Dan Marino, and they had... Clayton and Duper. Yeah, <laughs> That's why receivers with the Miami Dolphins. Yes, sir. <laughs> they, they were pretty good. They could yeah, go the like Mark these brothers. two guys. So right. yep. it's kind of interesting. You know, they were, they were very good. And you can't forget about Lynn Swan and Stallworth. Yeah. You can't forget about the Dallas Cowboys, Tony Hill and Drew Pearson. So there were some good receivers in my day as well. But uh, I agree with the Miami Dolphins. I think they are a potent offense. They are scary.
0: You know something? They huh? are scary on the grass. They run fast. Coach, I confirm this with research. I'm told that you locked up all those receivers during your 10 seasons Plants. playing cornerback for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's just what I'm That's what I'm told. And don't check the research because I'm well, telling you it's infallible. Well. Well,
3: I had 38 interceptions, so I I
0: held my own. I know that. That right there. (laughs) 38 interceptions. Impressive stuff from you, Coach Herm. The man had serious game. Today marks the last in our series of off-season storylines that Adam Schefter has been previewing over the past two weeks. And today we finish things up with perhaps one of the greatest comebacks we'll ever see in football.
4: While there are ongoing debates about who might win this season's Super Bowl or Most Valuable Player Award, there's little debate who's in the prime position to pick off the Comeback Player of the Year Award. Buffalo safety DeMar Hamlin is attempting to come back after suffering a specific type of cardiac arrest.
3: But it's not the end of my story, so I'm here to announce that I plan on making a comeback to the NFL.
4: No one will forget the events of the Week 17 Monday night game in Cincinnati when Hamlin collapsed. But since that night, Hamlin has demonstrated nothing but heart. And action. Ladies and gentlemen, Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin.
3: Now he's not only got a normal life, but we're talking about playing, not any football,
0: NFL football.
4: He already has participated in Buffalo's OTAs. He's expected to be in uniform when Buffalo kicks off training camp next month.
3: But that just shows the type of kid that he is, that he's fought, and he's
1: continuing to win.
4: Everyone will be rooting for him to win the NFL's Comeback Player of the Year Award, which he should by simply suiting up.
0: Great stuff from Shafty, and how cool is this? The Bills training staff that were first on the scene to help save Hamlin's life will be receiving the Pat Tillman Award for service this year's SB Awards you can watch it over on ABC next Wednesday July 12th at 8 Eastern coming up here on NFL Live Brock Purdy had a ton of success in San Francisco last season now the 49ers have a decision to make at their quarterback spot and Hearns why says the Niners must choose quarterback one to beat Brock Purdy that's next
5: must be 21 plus and present in select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply see app for details
0: UFC 290 tomorrow night from T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas it's another stacked card with two title fights the main card begins at 10 eastern on pay-per-view with the prelims at 8 eastern on ESPN ABC ESPN Deportes and ESPN plus to order the main card in English and Spanish go to espnpluscom ppv Time now for us to read and react to some news and notes around the NFL. We started Tampa, who is now facing life after Brady. Bucks cornerback Carlton Davis said this, though, quote, we're about to do it to him. Anybody who feels we've lost Tom and lost something is going to be in for a rude awakening, a rude awakening. Tom was a great addition for us, but obviously it's a team sport. Obviously, you need components to be successful. We still have those components. When he asked what rude awakening meant, he said, we're going to wreck interceptions, turnovers, Plays will be made. I will say, plays will be made. All right, Hawk, you behind this? Is the rest of the league in for a rude awakening down in Tampa? They are not in Forbidden
2: Awakening. And I'm glad he feels that way. He should feel that way. But the reality is, we've seen this movie before. You cannot write checks that Baker Mayfield has to cash. And no matter how you slice it, yes, Tom Brady struggled a year ago. You can't look at Baker, whoever is the quarterback, and say it's an upgrade
0: in a post-Tom Brady era. And we've seen also what that effect had on the New England Patriots. All right, let's go to the Tua, Tua Tungo by Loa Led Dolphins, who, of course, Tua missed last, uh, five games last season due to injury. Former NFL quarterback Michael Vick was asked what Tua needs to do going forward here's what he had to say
3: I just think he got he's got to bulk up a little bit get a little bit bigger get stronger you know you, as you as you grow into your man body that's what that's what needs to happen ain't nothing wrong with picking up another 10 pounds 15 pounds a hand of the pounder yeah you know what I'm saying like yo I mean that's those things that you got to learn as you go through this process of playing quarterback it ain't easy now, don't get hit
5: yeah that's the biggest you don't
3: thing. get knocked around when you, walk, when you wake up on Sunday mornings, Monday mornings, and Thursday mornings, you know you got to sacrifice for the team.
0: Herb, do you agree that the Tua needs to add some bulk this offseason?
3: That always helps in, in the shoulder region. But more than that, he needs to learn how to fall when he gets tackled. Mm. A lot of times when he gets tackled, he falls on his head. I mean, and that's where the concussions have taken place. Just learning how to fall properly when you get hit in the pocket is very important for a quarterback. I used to tell him all the time, protect your throwing arm, your shoulder, and protect your head when you're about to get tackled. If he can just do that and stay healthy, this Miami Dolphin team has a chance to maybe
0: win the division. Jeff, you make your home near Miami. What more have you heard about Tua and his progress this (laughs) offseason?
1: Well, Herm uh, said it, and that's exactly what the priority has been for Tua this offseason. He has bulked up his upper body, and he has strengthened the areas in his neck to try to prevent some of that sort of whiplash that occurs. He's obviously also, we've talked about ad nauseum, that he's been doing jiu-jitsu mm. to try to help learn how to fall better. And I know people kind of scoff at it a little bit, but it's not that different from when a player doesn't slide well. I think Robert Griffin III at one point was having trouble getting down and sliding, and some of these guys would meet with Uh, Major League Baseball players to learn how to slide better. So while it sounds a little unorthodox, what two is doing this offseason, maybe that but also might be smart too.
0: If it helps just a little bit, Jeff, it seems like it's worth it to me. Let's go to San Francisco next where they currently have three quarterback options heading into the season. Pullback Kyle Juszczyk was asked about one of those options, Brock Purdy, and he made it clear he liked what he saw. Here's what he had to say. Quote, when you're playing that position, especially at quarterback, you just need those reps. You need those live reps, those live bullets, and just certain little things, timing things, natural reaction. They just get ingrained in your head. You're just not thinking as much out there. You're just reacting. And I felt like that's what he was doing. He was just going out there and he was reacting. He was so well-prepared they didn't have to overthink things, and he really just ran the offense. And, of course, referring to Brock Purdy. Jeff, before we get into who should start in Week 1, what do we know about the health of Brock Purdy, who, of course, got hurt in the NFC Championship game?
1: Well, it's all related, Field, and I can tell you that his health is making the proper progress to be ready for Week 1. Those are the words of head coach Kyle Shanahan. Now, Brock Purdy has been in Jacksonville working with Uh, both going through rehab and working with his quarterback coach there uh, to continue to progress in his career. But things are still progressing toward him being ready for a week one start. And I can tell you that the 49ers all along, I know we have been having these conversations about who's going to be the starter for the 49ers. They internally have been continuing to believe that that will be Brock Purdy. You know, if, if Trey Lance comes in and flips the switch and all of a sudden creates that competition, fine. But internally, I'm telling you, Brock Purdy is the guy that they expect under center to start this season.
0: And Kyle Youseck's words seem to suggest as much, Hawk. And let me ask you about public statements of support, like the one that we heard from Youseck for Purdy. Like, how important do you think that is for a player's confidence, especially one that, despite the fact that he played so well last season? is still, what, 14 months away from being NFL the Mr. Irrelevant pick in the NFL draft. I mean, it means everything. It's specifically coming from a
2: guy like Juice, who is looked at as one of those foundational pieces on this offense because they believe in him. And to Jeff's point, the coaching staff and the organization believe in him because they've seen him do it. And you can really get that from your teammates. You can get that from a player. Like, when you're on a team with a quarterback and it is third down and you have to make a play – you got to look at all the pieces to see, do these guys believe their quarterback has what it takes, right? And you're not going to get it in the form of loafs. You're not going to say, oh, this guy is not running hard. When you're a receiver and I'm the third option on a play, yeah. do I believe that the quarterback has enough handle of the offense to get to that third progression? Am I always live? Of course, the plays that are called for me I'm ready for, but it's the really good quarterbacks, like Juice is talking about, that says, yo, this guy understands it, and no matter where the play
3: is, he's going to find it. Look, Purdy is a starting quarterback if he's healthy. I knew that when the season ended, and why wouldn't he be? He was seven was one um, but now what he's going to have to deal with, his own expectations. It was easy last year. No one expected anything, and he's playing on a great team. He's got a great defense, got one of the best play callers in the National Football League in Kyle Shanahan. He is going to script the quarterback to be successful, and Purdy did that last year to a fault. I mean, he did it to a fault. Hmm. Now expectations are involved in this. How does he handle that? I think he'll be fine because of his demeanor, and he couldn't play for a better coach. So, Purdy's the quarterback. Look, the team wants Purdy to play quarterback. Every player in that locker room knows Purdy is their quarterback going forward.
0: Okay, so I know we're talking about, Hawk, these 49ers, as if the quarterback position maybe matters less for them than it does perhaps any other team in the NFL. But, Brock Purdy is coming back from a significant elbow injury. If he either isn't ready at the beginning of the season or this lingers or recurs at some point during the year, like, do you have confidence in the two backup quarterbacks that this team can remain elite? Because that's the standard in this locker room. I have, I have confidence. That Kyle
2: Shanahan will find a way for these quarterbacks okay. to be successful because that's what he does. He was my offensive of coordinator in Cleveland, and I was the number one receiver. I can tell you right now, Field, with full confidence, I am not a number one receiver. Come on, but I don't buy it. With that team, we can get to seven and four because we had the right coaching staff
0: that put us in position to win, and that's what he'll do. You were talking about Mike McDaniel, by the way, on that staff like nine years ago. You were telling me this guy is a genius. He's going to be a star <laughs> one day in the NFL. Here we are, 2023, and he certainly looks like he's going to be exactly that. So to come. Here on NFL Live, the Cowboys have added Brandon Cooks this offseason, season but is that enough to solve Dak's interception woes? Hear why Hawks says this move could transform the entire offense.
3: God only made me one way. That's to be Jalen Hurts. i powerful, tough, relentless,
2: competitive. The journey is far from over.
3: Yeah, this is
2: dedication. I'm obsessed with this game. Enough is never enough.
3: It's
2: about taking it to another level. The only direction is to rise. Everybody in their opinions,
0: they don't deposit at the bank. to see what's on trend around the NFL. I'll share a stat. Our analysts will tell us if that trend will continue this season. Jalen Hurts certainly trended upward in his second full season as the Eagles starter. Hurts cut down on his turnovers and rapidly rose up the total QBR charts last season going from 23rd to 3rd in that metric. Herm, you played in Philly. Do you think his upward trend continues this season? Uh, He's headed
3: upward, and I hope uh, they uh, limit some of his runs. He had 165 runs last year for over 700 yards and 13 touchdowns. Uh, They're running him a little bit too much, especially in the red zone. So I think if he can back off that, that will keep him healthy. Because remember, he had a shoulder injury as well, right? Got to keep him healthy. I think this guy is a fabulous football player. He's doing nothing but getting better, a better passer, a leader, has all the tools
0: to play quarterback in the long game down there in Philadelphia. Let's go to the Giants as Daniel Jones with the fewest interceptions of the 18 quarterbacks with at least 400 passing attempts last season. After throwing four over the first 10 weeks of the season, including two picks against the Lions In week 11, Jones has picked off just once over his final six regular season games. Hawk, you think that continues in 2023?
2: As long as they sign Saquon Barkley back, yes. Because they still have Brian Dayball who's put in a position to win. And they're utilizing play-action pass for safer throws. And when you have Saquon Barkley, a.k.a. Laquad James, in the backfield and you run play-action pass, <laughs> the damnedest thing happens. The defense believes it's a run. Did you make up that Laquad
0: James thing? I did on the spot, dude. Oh, I'm borrowing that and I'm not going to give you credit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I will. Uh, the Commanders' quarterback play has trended downward since Kirk Cousins left for the Vikings after the 2017 season. Washington's team QBR ranked second to last in the league since 2018. Only the Jets have been worse in that metric over that span. 2014 had a Pro Bowl quarterback since Washington last sent Cousins to the Pro Bowl back in 2016. But, Jeff, does Washington think the combo of Sam Howell and new offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy are good enough to change the fortunes on that Commander's offense?
1: Well, I can tell you that they are fully committed to Sam Howell as their quarterback. I mean, they're not mincing words about it all season or all off season. And by the way, they're also uh, showing it by not drafting a quarterback when they had some opportunities to do so in this year's draft. So they have said all along they love Howell's development so far. Uh, They believe that he will continue to make the trajectory to make him a franchise quarterback. So Say what you will about the prospects of Howell, but what they saw last year and what they will be- believe will continue to come under the guidance of Eric Biennemi, yeah. uh this team is all in when it comes
0: to Sam Howell. Hawk, you were talking about how in your career you played for Kyle Shanahan as an offensive mm-hmm. coordinator, transformed really the entire franchise. What's reasonable expectations for Eric Bieniemy? perhaps the most notable offensive coordinator hiring in the past three or four years in the NFL? I don't know what the reasonable
2: expectations are, but it's a great opportunity, right? Because even in our, our earlier conversation around the Rooney Rule, this will kind of use the, this, the situation to remove all doubt about what kind of coach he is. He goes into a situation where there's no way you can give all the credit to a young quarterback yeah. who hasn't had a bunch of experience. So if he can truly get that maturation going, and that development that Jeff's talking about, I
0: think everybody's going to be happy. Yeah, there could, there's a real chance this is a one-year stay mm-hmm. for Eric Bieniemy in mm-hmm. D.C. because if things go well, he'll be a head coach next offseason. Let's get to our final quarterback in the NFC East, and of course, being Dak Prescott, who's looking to bounce back after leading the NFL in picks last year. He'll do so under a new play caller as Mike McCarthy is taking over that role this season. Prescott's former coordinator, Kellen Moore, shared high praise for Dallas's QB1. The best person. Uh, hmm. I think uh, the best leader I've ever been around, uh, easily. And in all honesty, player or coach or anything. Uh, I think his ability to connect with a team in all spectrums is rare, and I've never seen it in any other way. His work ethic, his command, I I think he's incredible. And so I I know, you know, we've all been through that Dallas journey, and he he has a phenomenal way of being able to deal with probably more than your average NFL starting quarterback. And uh, he handles it beautifully. And, you know, he's certainly a guy you forever root for. All right, Herm, the Cowboys offense seems to always put up big numbers. Kellen Moore raves about Dak Prescott's leadership. They win a lot of regular season games. Why doesn't Dak get more love? Because he plays for the Dallas Cowboys.
3: And (laughs) Kellen Moore, I I think, he, he, he he said it correctly. He said it correctly. His journey. Look, the Dallas Cowboys, look, they're a playoff team. They've got good players. The Dallas Cowboys are playing against the Dallas Cowboys, Mm. especially when they get to the playoffs. Since 1995, they have not won a division game. Mm.
0: I'm
3: going to say it again, a divisional game. Since 1995, Dak Prescott has not been the quarterback there since 1995. Neither has Mike McCartney been the head coach there since
0: 1995.
3: So they have to win a divisional football game. And when they can do that, They can erase all the badness and everything that everyone wants to talk about (laughs) the Dallas Cowboys. That is their ghost that they're fighting against.
2: Michael Irvin always says when you have that star on your helmet, you got to have thick skin. And that's what Dak Prescott has done really well. Now, with Mike McCarthy now calling plays, he'll be able to take some pressure off of Dak Prescott, both schematically in the offense and in the public eye a little bit. Because anytime your cure for your offense is sprinkle a little me on it, People are going to look to you when things go bad and mm, maybe not great point, point yeah. the arrow so far at, at Dak Prescott. And we talked earlier about the addition of Brandon Cooks to this offense because it is really tough on a quarterback if you don't have legitimate deep threats or if you only have one deep threat that it's easy to bracket and double team like they had in C.D. Lamb. Now it's going to give them balance. It is going to open up the run game. The methodical West Coast offense as well is going to help them use misdirection, play action pass, and again, just give more detail to what they're doing in a scheme that helps the whole overall team.
1: Yeah, I, I love what you're saying, Hawk. I think the one question I have is, do they have the role players to do exactly that? I mm-hmm. believe that what you're saying about the offensive system makes sense, but now they're going to be looking for a new starting tight end to really stand out this season. Yep. They're going to be looking for depth beyond Tony Pollard, uh, assuming that Pollard can even stay healthy coming off of this injury as a three-down back. Uh, they, they have, when you look at this roster, obvious talent across the board. The question is, do they have the depth at the necessary positions to run the type of system you're talking about? They might. Uh, I'm not saying they don't, but that, to me, is the big question here. Not the star power, but the role players on this team.
2: Well, that's the hope that, they, that you hope the, the West Coast brings. They're still going to have their elements of their, their old offense. I think Dak Prescott got yeah. coined it as a Texas coast offense so it's not about that they're going to run the ball way more it's going to dramatically change they were mm-hmm. lined up they were just trying to score points that put your defense at a disadvantage that put your, your your time clock at a disadvantage now it's just going to be a lot more methodical you can pick your spots and again not all fully rely on Dak Prescott's arm mm-hmm. to bail you out constantly
3: you guys both have made some great points but you're missing the biggest uh, thanks, point Herm. The Dallas, Cowboys, oh, the Dallas Cowboys have to stop beating theirself in the playoff situations. <laughs> this yeah. is a playoff team, guys. They won 12 games last year. They got a chance to win a division this year. They're going to do that. They're going to be in the playoffs. Can they get past the division around? 1995. I'm not making up the number.
0: 1995. What else you need to know? Not, not to be, you can well, say whatever you, you want on. 19, 1995. They have the longest streak you of catch playoff appearances without reaching the conference championship game. Twelve straight times they made the playoffs without reaching the conference championship game. Thank you. Uh, 1995. Just thank you. You weren't paying attention. You were 9 years old. Nine years old. Uh, time now here for one more thing before we go, and we check in on 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy once again as the young man has been recently engaged. Herm, I believe you have the longest marriage of all of us here on the show. Any advice for the young man? I'll take some of that too, man. Any advice, Herm? That's not. I yes. think he's giving it. Do this. Yes, okay. Oh, Do okay. this. this just right. say That's yes. That's right. Just That's say right. yes. Yeah. Someone always told me always. the most It's important. like the dog in the window. It's <laughs> like the dog in the car. It's just <laughs> go like this. Yes, ma'am. That's right. Yes, ma'am. You're right. 51% is <laughs> what someone told me. The minute you get married, you no longer have 51% of your life. Your significant other does. We are just 49% stakeholders, which means that every time we're close to a tie, the wife or husband what wins. The yep, that's how it goes. NFL Live is back on Monday. Don't forget to watch Victor Wembanyama tonight. NBA Summer League. We'll talk to you guys again next week.